Well, praise God. Let's pray today and we'll get into the word. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you. Your word is life. It is health to all of our flesh. And Lord, as we look at this all important subject this morning, help us to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. We give you praise. We give you honor for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now say this with me real strong. I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I want to talk to you this morning about the father's pleasure. What gives him great joy? What causes him to have great delight? Are you ready? Look with me at Psalm 147. We'll look at several scriptures this morning. In Psalms 147 verse 10, it says, He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. Uh, we could say it like this. He, he doesn't take pleasure in human might or human reasoning and us working our own situations out. Our self-made man mentality. Our ability to do life on our own. He doesn't take pleasure in that. He does take pleasure when we're strong in him though. And in the power of his might. In verse 11, notice it says this. Read it with me. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him and in those that hope in his mercy. Now, I looked at several scriptures in this specific verse 11. And let me give you the gist of what it says in other translations. He takes pleasures in those who honor him. He takes pleasure in those who reverence him or worship him. And in those that trust in his constant love or in his unfailing love. Oh, that's awesome. I have faith in his unfailing love for you. I have faith in his unending love for me. The love of God is such a wonderful thing. And so we're trusting in that. We're not trusting in ourselves, but we're trusting in his love. And we know that his love never fails. And that as we are under his care, we know that everything in our life is going to be all right. All right. Now turn to Psalm 35 and verse 27. We talked about this a little bit in our offering last Sunday morning. Psalm 35, 27 says, let them... Think about being joyful. Now, there's a shout of joy. And let them be glad. That favor my righteous cause. And by the way, his righteous cause is giving to those that are in need. His righteous cause is visiting those in prison. His righteous cause is insomuch that you have done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And so... Let us shout for joy and be glad because we do favor his righteous cause. Let them say continually. Isn't that interesting that the Bible tells us to say things. Let the Lord be magnified. Now notice, read the rest of it. Who have pleasure. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Or as other translations says, he has pleasure in the well-being or the peace, or the welfare of his sons, of his servants, and of his daughters. Now, I looked up the word welfare because oftentimes when we think of the word prosperity, our minds immediately go to wealth and money and materialism and all those things. 
And it's good, praise God, to have bucks to pay your bills. And to have more than enough left over to be a blessing. Amen? But I like this uh, definition of welfare. He takes pleasure in the welfare of his servants. Welfare means this. Exemption from misfortune. He takes pleasure in the exemption from sickness. Calamity or evil. Welfare means the enjoyment and the common blessings of life, prosperity, happiness applied to every person. Hallelujah. I love those definitions. So he takes pleasure in your welfare. The NLT says that he delights in blessing his servants with peace. And I love this one. That he takes pleasure... To see his servants doing well. Isn't that good? How many of you as a mom and dad or a grandfather or grandmother just get great joy when your sons and your daughters and your grandkids are doing well? And we get calls from James and John. uh, You know, John more often than James. But uh, how are you doing? Doing well. That makes a dad glad when they know that their kids are doing well. Amen? Amen? Well, our Heavenly Father, hallelujah, when He sees us doing well, when He sees us doing His will, when He sees us operating in the things of the kingdom of God, it brings Him great joy and great delight. The Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to know this, that my children are walking in the truth, that they're walking in the Word of God. Now turn over to Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. The context of this whole set of scriptures in Luke 12 is taking no thought for the morrow. Don't be, you know, concerned about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. And in Luke 12, 32, he says, don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to do what? In the Amplified, it says, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The NLT says it gives Him great happiness to give you the kingdom. So He's delighted, He's pleased, He's got great joy when the kingdom of God is delivered unto us. That's good. Now, Let's ask ourselves, if it gives him great joy to give us the kingdom, what is in the kingdom? I'm glad you asked that. Look at Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. The kingdom of God is yours. And he says that the kingdom of God, it's not about hamburgers and hot dogs and Coca-Colas. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. He said, don't be afraid. I've given you the kingdom. And part of my kingdom is, is that you've been put into right standing with me. That I've made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it gives me great pleasure when I see my sons and my daughters coming to the throne of grace boldly to help, to obtain help in their time of need. Amen. What else is in the kingdom? Peace. This kingdom is not a kingdom of fear and worry. 
This kingdom is a kingdom of faith and peace. This kingdom is not a kingdom of terror and torment. This kingdom is a kingdom, glory to God, of the joy of the Lord and the peace of God that passes all understanding. We don't serve a taskmaster. We serve a shepherd. And our shepherd is the Lord of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And you know what? I sense his peace in this whole room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And because his peace is on the inside of you and is part of the kingdom of God, when anything contrary comes your way, some storm comes your way, just get up like Jesus did and say, peace be still. Amen. Well, but oh, the kingdom of God is not only a kingdom of righteousness, but it is also a kingdom of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone say joy. joy. He's well pleased when we're full of joy. I've written in my notes, not all stuffy and sad, but joyful and glad. You know that circumstances of life will make you sad if you yield to them. Religion will make you stuffy. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What's all that joy about in church? Don't you know you're not supposed to talk in church? What are you doing praying out loud? That's stuffiness. That's a religious spirit. No, that kingdom is not a kingdom of religion. It's a kingdom of freedom. It's a kingdom of joy. It's not stuffy and sad, but joyful and glad. What do you say? Is that the kingdom you're in? Now, I don't think we have this translation, so listen to it very carefully. He said, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father did delight. Now, I like this. To give you the rain. Everyone say rain. Rain. Now not R-A-I-N. Of course he delights in that. But to give you the rain has to do with kingdom rights and kingdom privileges. Rain. R-E-I-G-N. The word rain means to possess or to exercise sovereign power or authority to rule. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 17 in the Amplified Version, and I want you to look at this one particular part of that verse. It says that we who have, glory to God, received the gift of righteousness, putting us into right standing with God himself. Now notice there's that word rain. Everyone say rain three times. One more time. Rain Rain is what? Rain is wimps in life. Reign as victims and beggars. No, no, thank God we're not victims. We're victors. Thank God we're not beggars. We're believers. Thank God life's not reigning on us. We are reigning as kings. When we all get to heaven? No, in this life. Here in the nasty now and now, right now. Amen. So... To reign as a king in life. I like this word reign. It means to be predominant, to prevail, to rule. To have superior dominion. To have royal authority. Supreme power. Kingdom dominion. It also means to have power, to have influence, and leadership by the way is influence. 
So what this is literally saying to us, when he says, I've given you the kingdom, he said, I have given you the reign. Now, son and daughter, take the reign. Take your place in me. I have made you in my image and in my likeness. And it gives me great delight, great joy when I see you taking and walking in the authority of the believer. Hallelujah. The authority of the believer. Amen. In other words, when a devil shows up and you knock its head off or cut its head off or whatever you do, God says, yeah, that's my son. That's my daughter. I've given you authority, he said, over all the powers of darkness and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Son, daughter, there's a serpent. Don't let it walk on you. You tread on it. There's a demon. Don't let it get in your mind. You step on it. Walk as a king in life through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now in Luke 17 and verse 21, the Pharisees questioned him one day. And they asked him, when will the kingdom of God come? And notice Jesus' uh, response. He said, nor will people say, here it is, or see it is there. For behold, let's read that together. For behold, the kingdom of God is Now what does it mean when it says the kingdom of God is within you? Read the next few words. Where is the kingdom of God? It's in my heart. And it's all around me. And it is surrounding me. So listen to this statement. The king of kings, the king of the kingdom lives in you and he's working in you. Thank you for those two holy uh ahas and one grunt. All right, let's work on this a little longer. I'm glad to know he's working in me. Because I'm like Brother George. Hallelujah. I'm like Pastor Tom. I'm like Chris. I'm like my brother there, my sister there. We're all under construction. Amen. We're getting to be more like Jesus every day. Amen. We're in the potter's hand. And he's working his plan in our lives. That's a wonderful thing. You know, I I don't want to go so far in the kingdom of God and in spiritual growth and stop and be satisfied. No, the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. And each day we can become more like him and be just like the master. Now, a great verse of scripture for this is Philippians 2.13. I want you to look at it in the Amplified Version. First of all, I'll quote it to you in the King James. It says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His what? For His good pleasure. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. Our human labors and our human efforts sometimes try to take over. Because we know that there's more in God. But how many of you know that spiritual growth takes place one step at a time? And spiritual growth and becoming more like him is not done in the energy of the flesh. And that's why he says in the Amplified, it's not in your own strength. For it is God 
who is all the while effectually working in you. Now notice this. Energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure, satisfaction and delight. Say it with me. It's not by the energy of the flesh. Surely you have not arrived, but he's working. I can remember one time when our youngest son was in the pit of depression. It was a very, very ugly thing as a parent to see. We've fought the good fight of faith for years over James. Those of you who are close to us know some things about it. And now that we're on the other side of it, we can talk about it a little bit. Not to glorify the devil, but to encourage others. And I can remember not going to the office for several weeks just because I needed to be there with him. It was almost like being on a suicide watch. And I can remember talking to him and and just reading him scriptures and encouraging him in the Lord. And lifting him up and, and, and telling him that, you know what, God's got a purpose for your life, son. Don't you give up. He who's begun a good work in you is going to perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Now, people that are depressed don't have a lot of energy. That's one of the first things that happens in their lives. So he didn't have a, a lot of energy hardly to speak the word or to do the things that, you know, you would normally be able to do. So we did it for him. And then by faith, we led him in confessions and we prayed over him and we laid hands on him. We did everything we could possibly do. But I'll never forget this scripture went off in him like a piece of dynamite. He saw it. He saw it. He said, Dad, it's not my own strength. And I can put my trust in God because he's energizing me. And he's going to produce in my life the will to do his will. And you know what? That was revelation knowledge to him. Because in the natural realm, he didn't feel like doing the things that he needed to do to climb out of the pit. But all the grace of God and all the power of God. And so wherever you're at in life, you don't live by your feelings. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we need to trust that the Spirit of God on the inside of you has placed His plan, His will, His desire, His strength in you to pull you out of any situation so you could fulfill His good pleasure. Say it with me. He's working. Say it real strong. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working in my life. And I'm glad to say by the glory of God and to testify that today he's working with the youth in Keith Morris Church. That he's on the platform once a month playing guitar. God has done a good work in him. He preached here on a Sunday night. He is a miracle boy. A miracle son. And you know what? Our God's no respecter of persons. He is the glory. He is the lifter up of our head. So if you're feeling down today, you're not feeling any energy, get under the spout where God's glory comes out. Get under the prayer tent of this church. Let people lock their shields with you. We'll believe God with you and God will snatch you out of the deepest pit and lift you up. Amen. Somebody shout yes. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. Makes me happy to see what the Lord's done. So God is the one. Who enables us both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. Another translation says this. He will help you want to do what pleases him. And gives you the power to do it. 
Philip says this, he will give you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. Say this with me. He places within me the will, desire and energy, enablement and power, and the help to do what pleases him. And by the grace of God, I will fulfill his good purpose. Now look with me at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. Allow him to do a mighty work in you. Somebody says, well, I've failed. Well, fail forward. Just because you've failed doesn't mean you're a failure. What makes people failures is to get down and stay down and refuse to get up. But that's not you, is it? That's not me. Okay? So then how do we please the Father? Again, it's not based on works. But it's based on the work of His grace. And it's based on your response of trust and faith in His grace. Colossians 1 and 10, great verse of Scripture. In verse uh, 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 10 in the Amplified, it says, That you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves. So now we're getting into our walk. In a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work. Now let's stop right there. When you walk in the Spirit, you will be a fruit bearer. Amen? Bearing fruit for the glory of God honors God. Now notice, here's what else honors Him. And steadily growing, step by step, And increasing in and by the knowledge of God. Not head knowledge, but heart knowledge. Look at your neighbor and say heart knowledge. knowledge. Notice it says, with a fuller, deeper, and clear insight of acquaintance and recognition. So here is our walk with God. Our walk with God is to know Him. And the power of His resurrection. Our walk with God is to become more intimately acquainted with Him. As we do, we can't help but have fruit in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now notice with me. I am convinced. I am convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt. That as we focus on pleasing Him, then whatever needs we may have will get taken care of in the process. Don't focus on getting your needs met. Don't focus on your healing. Focus on the healer. Don't focus on the the prosperity. Focus on Jehovah Jireh, the one who prospers you. Amen. Now, let's move on to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. We're making good progress today. You are a very good class. You're doing good. And I've given you a lot of scripture today. A lot of things to to meditate on. Now, we're just kind of skimming the top of it. God's helping us speak and preach. But these scriptures should be part of your your walk with God. Because our desire is to please Him. Now notice, in Hebrews 10, 38, Now the just shall live by faith. Let me ask this. Who are the just? Who are the just? And what shall the just live by? Faith. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I am the just and I live by faith. But he says, if any man draw back, my soul now shall have no what? No pleasure in him. So we see that in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, or without trust, it is impossible to what? Please him. 
Now, I want you to pay particular attention to that word, draw back. Drawing back. Drawing back. In other words, not moving forward in faith, but drawing back. I believe that the number one thing that causes us to draw back is fear and doubt and unbelief. Now, notice in verse 39, it says, but we are not of them who draw back. In other words, we are not of them who are yielding to the spirit of fear. We're yielding to the spirit of faith. We are not of them who dread the future, but we are of them that have faith in the future because we serve a faithful God who has our future in his hands. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But fear is the substance of things dreaded. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. But fear is the evidence of things you don't see yet either. And so we need to regulate and operate by faith. Look at your neighbor and say, by God's grace, I'm not looking back. I'm not drawing back. I'm not pulling back. But I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. How? I'm moving forward in faith. And so moving forward in faith pleases God. Walking with God pleases God. Enoch did. And he got translated. Being filled with and staying full of the Holy Spirit gives your father great delight. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Notice with me in verse 16. He says, And when Jesus was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and it lighted upon him. And in verse 17, a, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, and I wish you wouldn't hang around with Pentecostals. <clears throat> This is my beloved son, and I wish he'd never met John the Baptist. No, thank God he didn't say that. He said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, what is, how do you say well pleased in Espanol? Bert? Stand up and say it real loud, well pleased. Matthew 3, 16. 17. Hallelujah. Glory to Dios. You know, Bert, some Sunday morning, can you translate for me? So we can practice? Before we go to Lima? We got to kind of get that down, you know, because I don't think, I don't think that, um, I know the pastor there, even though he's American, speaks fluent Spanish. So I need a little help. I didn't understand it, but it sure sounded good. How many of you who speak Espanol witness to that? It sounded good. All right. Now, what was my point? Can anyone help me about? <laughs> oh yeah, we're talking about what pleases God. That's right. Oh, thanks. I needed that. I'm well pleased with my son because my son has the Holy Spirit coming upon him. 
Well, we're sons of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If it pleased him for Jesus to be filled, it's well-pleasing to him when you're filled. But not just filled 20 years ago or 10 years ago or three weeks ago, but stainful. So Ephesians 5 says, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now look at Romans chapter 8. Romans the 8th chapter. Are you getting anything yet? Thank God you are. Romans the 8th chapter now. We're simply talking about those things that please Him and how to please Him. Romans 8, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, what is it? It's life and peace. And here's why. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostility against God. Why? Because it's not subject to the law of God or the word of God, and it never can be. God, speaking to the children of Israel, said this. But with many of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is a type of carnality. Is it not? And so, carnality and living our lives according to the dictates of the flesh does not Please God. But I got the good news for you. In verse 8 and 9 it says, So they that are in the flesh can't please God. Verse 9, read it with me and shout. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Isn't that awesome? Now, what this is saying to us this morning is live your life in the Spirit. What does it mean to live your life in the Spirit? Does that mean we, we live with a, you know, about three feet off the ground and our eyes batten and look all foggy-eyed and foggy-headed? No, life in the Spirit is simply walking in the Spirit. Amen. Walking in the Spirit is simply walking in love. Yeah. It's walking in joy. It's walking in kindness. It's being long-suffering with people. Listen, live your life in the Spirit because you're already in the Spirit. You don't want to be in the Spirit and not live like you're in the Spirit. And that's the story of billions, millions of Christians. They're in the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in them, but you'd never know it. Now, we are not the custodian of other people's lives. Amen? And we're not to judge other people, but we can monitor ourselves in this Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled, Spirit-led life. Amen? Amen? Live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. If you will endeavor in your heart to walk in the Spirit, He will lead you and He will guide you into all the truth. Part of being led by the Spirit is always being in the right place at the right time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Say it with me real strong. I'm led led by the Spirit of God because I'm walking in the Spirit. And as a result, I'm always in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Now in Revelation 4, let's look over there. This is a comprehensive study. You can continue on it. On what pleases God. Revelation chapter 4. The four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, read verse 11. 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. <coughs> Could you read it with just a little bit more zing? And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Of course, we're looking at the King James and that's the NIV, but that's all good. But what I want you to see is this. That you and I have been brought out of Satan's family into God's family. That you and I were created in his image. Come on now. And in his likeness. And when we said yes to God, the Bible says he made us new creations. Woo! Glory to God. Old things are passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. It gave him pleasure to bust Satan's head for you and to take you out of darkness and bring you into his family. We are God's masterpiece. We are his handiwork created in him to walk in the paths that he has designated for us before the foundation of the world. He's called his creations to live a good life. So I said all that to say this. It pleases him and pleased him to make you in his image and in his likeness. I hear this in my spirit. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Heirs of God. Joint heirs with Jesus. With joint seating with Him. Raised up together. Made to sit together. Made to reign together. Made to shout together. Made to advance His kingdom together. Hallelujah. It pleases him when we take our place. It pleases him when we take our seat. But oftentimes people forget where they're seated. You ever been to an A's game or a Giants game and you went and got your hot dog? I can still see Brenda down there looking for me. Where'd he go? I <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but you all done it. Forget where you're seated. Then you got to look at your ticket. Where am I seated? Your husband or your wife? I'm right here. <laughs> Too many Christians are wandering through life going, What in the world is God doing? Where's God in all this? How come this is happening to me? I can't find my place. I lost my seat. I lost my place. As sure as you've lost your seat, you can find your seat. Maybe you've been out of place, but you can get back in place. Because he sets the members of his body in the place that pleases him. That's 1 Corinthians 12, somewhere in there. Hallelujah. 
So being in His family, serving Him where He sets us, pleases us. Pleases Him. Amen? So if you've lost your way, you've lost your seat, maybe you've let some things go, you need to pick it back up. You know what? Today's a great day to do it. Let's all stand to our feet and pray.